This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91. The same idea of, in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Welcome to MarketScale Software and Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath. We're constantly talking about evolutions and advancements in every industry. We're always talking about the latest and greatest widget or gadget or device. And we talk about all of these new innovations, but I really like talking about the changes in the way we pay for these innovations from a consumer standpoint and how do the merchants handle the payments for the new latest and greatest thing that they've come up with for all of us to enjoy. Well today I have the privilege of having a conversation with two gentlemen who really know everything there is to know about both sides of the transaction. I am of course talking about Adi Eckstein. He's the co-founder of Amaryllis Payment Solutions. Hi Adi, how are you today? Good, thank you. Hello Sean. And my other guest on the podcast today is a solutions architect for Amaryllis Payment Solutions, Vico Bargig. Hi, Vico. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. You? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I would like to start off with this question. There is not a single size fits all solution to a situation this complex, but Do all of the different variations of payment options have at least a few things in common? Yes, that's a good question, Sean. Um, Yes, there is a lot of commonality between different payment modalities. And one of them is, of course, uh, there is a payer and a payee. And in the commerce uh, world, typically the payer will be a person or a person representing a business. And the payee will be a business or a merchant selling some goods and services. Uh, And really, all the complex payment models evolve and revolve around this this notion where you can start paying fees based on this payment, monetizing the transaction, uh, aggregating those payments. uh, But it all evolves around a payer and a payee to begin with. Now, Vico, as a solutions architect, what are a few of the really tough challenges that you're starting to see? Um, I think that the most difficult one, it's not difficult, it's more of the most uh, responsibility uh, aspect of the business is to make sure that everything is always up and running and everything is always available and uh, accessible regardless of uh, the action or um, transaction that you're trying to process. And that's basically the common uh, knowledge of any other uh, payment facilitator that needs to have this kind of business. He knows that he always needs to be up, he always needs to be available. And of course, the money needs to flow without any mistakes or any um, mismatches in between any entities in the system. Adi, can you take me through a few of the industry-leading innovations that you have been the driving force behind? Yes, absolutely. So uh, we're uh, deeply involved in the world of payment facilitation. Uh, That's a model that evolved throughout the year, years and really rising uh, in the last two, three years. 
uh, it's a model that take intermediary uh, companies that step in as payment facilitators to facilitate the transaction between those payers and payees that we mentioned. But not only that, those, those uh, companies step in also in the... Uh, uh, as a monetary intermediate, they're uh, receiving funds from the traditional acquiring banks and payment processors, and then paying out those funds to the entities that uh, that deserve those funds. And in between, there is a whole ecosystem uh, that is derived but what we call split fees, where you can take a transaction and not only deduct your own fees, you can account for other fees uh, for other entities, like agents, like delivery companies, like ride-sharing components of a transaction. And that's really a complex world, and the system that we built and we're still building supports all the new features that keep evolving that model. Now, currency, physical currency, takes so many different forms, but once it's been translated into an electronic format or the digital format, it's really just numbers. It's bits and bytes of digital information. But some of the currency starts out as bits and bytes. And of course, I'm talking about electronic currencies, um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, things along that nature. Do When you hear a company, Vico, put out a press release that we're going to develop our own electronic currency, like Facebook, does that just give you stomach pains? Um, I don't think that it's... Uh should give me stomach pains uh, in regarding to me personally you know, or to any other consumer or merchant uh, in the world but it is just another currency at the end of the day and someone is going to use it and I think whoever is developing a new currency that, that's the one that should have the stomachs because uh, if no one is using your currency then, then you failed. Uh, it's more of who is developing it and, and less of who is using it because when you use it, you're just buying stuff. And Adi, once that currency, as I mentioned, is in its digital format, then it's right in your wheelhouse. You're ready to handle that information and get it from point A to point B and through all little miniature points in between. You're ready to handle that traffic. Yes, exactly. For us, any digital currency as well as uh, alternative payment options uh, like PayPal, like uh, WeChat Pay and Alipay and all the up-and-coming alternative payment options uh, are more of the same. We can plug them into our platform, we can accept them, and where possible, we can even disperse funds using those currencies. Uh, so for us, we don't look at them as uh, the competition. We look at them as part of our ecosystem. Now, you mentioned the um, alternative modes of payment, um, Apple Pay, Google Pay, uh, PayPal. When you see all of these new additional alternative forms of payment, does that uh, complicate the calculus when you're devising the next iteration of your solution there at Amaryllis? Uh, not really. We built a generic solution uh, where you can plug in those alternative payment options. And as you mentioned correctly, uh, once the the payment is digital, at that point, we have a, a billing system that, they, that can take in those 
electronic funds, do all the calculation necessary, rationalize and normalize uh, all of those computation, so it becomes uh, normal and generic in our system. Um, so really, uh, for us, the way we architected the system, uh, the more the merrier. We can add those. Uh, we have clients that want to support some of these uh, payment methods in different uh, locales or different geographies, and we're able to support them by easily adding in those uh, payment methods. Vico, as these new trends start to appear on the horizon and as the architect, um, do you... Do you enjoy having additional building blocks and and additional metrics to plug into your calculations when you are coming up with the next great payment option? Um, Of course. Uh, Basically, it just adds more uh, features to our system, more depth to our uh, um, capabilities because... Uh, any merchant or any location has their own flavor and own uh, technologies that they prefer to use. And the more flexibility and the more uh, um, capabilities that we add to our system, that just makes it more powerful or more advanced than any other competition. So we take that with open arms and we enjoy adding more and more features and more and more technologies to our system, always. Because you know so much about the inner workings behind the curtain for electronic payments, since you do have that experience, Adi, when's the last time you actually used physical currency to pay for something instead of paying for it electronically? That's a very good question, Sean. Um, I think uh, in my personal life where cash become handy is uh, for paying for services, uh, not so much for goods, uh, personal services, as well as when I travel, I always keep uh, cash just in case. Um, I, I was in China recently where the predominant payment method is using phones and local uh, applications. Um, it's not so much available for tourists, and that's where uh, cash become more handy. And you mentioned a phrase that I think is very interesting, just in case. Vico, is just in case a factor that you have to keep in mind on a day-to-day basis when you're designing the next solution? Um, yes. The, basically, everything that we develop or every uh, new model that we add to the system most of the hardware comes around the just-in-case scenarios and less on the feature itself that we are developing because we know what we want to achieve, we, we know what we want the feature to do or the model to perform, but the just-in-case use cases, those are the ones that we work hard to make sure that we are covering. Adi, what do you think would surprise people the most about what you do on a daily basis? I think... Uh... Most people are unaware of the back office operations that are required uh, uh, in order to run a business that is mission critical and deals with money. Uh, and we have a business with uh, a very strong business, pro- uh, business processes and procedures in place uh, so that we can account for all the funds, reconcile the funds against the different uh, sources of funds, uh, make sure that everything matches up to the cent uh, every day. Now, this question is for both of you, and I'll start with you, Vico. What question 
were you sure I was going to ask you that I did not ask you today? And what's the answer to that question? Um, probably when, when was the last time that you had a critical issue? And the answer to this was, uh, I don't know, a few years ago. <laughs> so it's really become extremely stable. That, that's uh, that's a result of the hard work that we are doing and uh, uh, the entire infrastructure that we created and uh, built around this system. If it's uh, our yeah, redundancy and availability sets, backup solutions, uh, site recoveries for the DRP, our five nines uh, capabilities, uh, the security compliance, all of this comes around and creates one big uh, uh, system that is always on, always available, duplicated. And Adi, what question were you sure I was going to ask you that I did not ask you? Uh, I was sure you're going to ask me about the, the technological infrastructure that runs our system. So, so in short, uh, we employ a number of uh, technological features and infrastructure to be able to be highly available, mission-critical system. One of those is starting with the architecture of the system, which is a service-oriented architecture. Uh, that's an architectural approach in which applications make use of services available in the network. And it has numerous advantages, and among them is uh, service reusability, easy maintenance, and also scalability. Another approach that we're employing for a number of years now is what's called database sharding. Uh, that's an architecture pattern in which we can use uh, to partition data across multiple physical and logical databases. And it gives us a benefit in terms of governing certain information as far as performance, backup and recovery, also geolocation. So for example, we can treat certain customers differently. We can host their data in a preferred location, and we can also have a preferred uh, backup and restore plans for them. Um, so these are just a couple of the technological advancement that you are using in our system that are giving us a competitive edge in the market. What are the odds that in my daily life today, I will cross paths with someone who is working using your product? So uh, you, you've probably already been doing that uh, without knowing, of course, uh, whether you bought an airline ticket or you bought something on a large marketplace website. Uh, maybe you've been to a doctor uh, and our system is in the background splitting the fees between the clinic and the doctors. Um, maybe you bought groceries online and then went to pick them up and our system is the one uh, doing the calculation in the background accounting for the delivery fees. So there are uh, many use cases where you may have been participated already without knowing where our system is doing the heavy lifting in the background. Well, I'm definitely going to start paying more attention and asking more questions. And I'm going to drop you a note. When I realize, uh, maybe not every single time, but the next time I run across the system, I'm just going to drop you a note, Adi, and say, hey, you helped me today. You, you know, you, you helped me pay for something today. Today, it has been my absolute privilege to have a conversation with the co-founder of Amaryllis Payment Solutions, Adi Eckstein. Thank you so much, Adi, for your time today. Thank you very much, Sean. I've also been joined by the Solutions Architect 
for Amaryllis Payment Solutions, Vico Bargig. Vico, thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much.